0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Friends of the Force, a Star Wars podcast. I'm your host, Brad.
1: And I'm your host, Sarah.
0: And this week, we are talking about Star Wars The Bad Batch, episode number three, Replacements. It is directed by Nathaniel Villanueva and written by Matt McNevets. Sarah, we are three episodes into this series, this new Star Wars animated
1: series. I'm really enjoying it. We're three down, 13 to go.
0: Yeah. It's given me all the good Star Wars feels. My new favorite oh Star God, Wars yeah. <laughs> trope is person becomes apparent unexpectedly and softens up a whole hell of a lot.
1: It's precious.
0: That's my new favorite. Yeah.
1: It's really soft.
0: Kanan did that with Ezra. Din Djarin did that with Grogu. Hunter's doing that with Omega. I would imagine the Kenobi series. We're going to do that with uh, Luke. I imagine in the Cassian Andor series, you know, maybe his, his, uh, his little sister is somewhat he, he somewhat is a guardian mm. for her because maybe they don't have parents so i think there's a, a lot of potential with this sort of uh storytelling in star wars it pulls at our heartstrings just just the right amount
1: i hope they have parents
0: yeah that would be kind I d- of sad I mean,
1: that's an aside i just i just want their parents to be alive maybe i, I don't yeah. know we, St- star wars lots of dead parents i don't love it
0: <laughs> no i don't love it either i get the impression that cassian's been through it but we'll see we'll see i mean but yeah. we we yeah. are here though to talk about the bad batch so again this series has gone pretty well so far i think this episode definitely took a much darker turn which was unexpected i was just waking up at 7 in the morning and turned it on and by 7:30 I was like, "Oh, we we went there. Star Wars is for quote-unquote kids. This is a kids show," doing air quotes as I say that. Yeah. How do you feel about this kids show, Sarah?
1: You know, this kids show really feels like it's for kids and um <laughs> where I most felt like it was for kids was when Crosshair shot one of the replacements. <laughs> point blank oh man and then we had a close-up on a helmeted face while they shot all these innocent civilians that's when i felt like it was most for kids what about you
0: (laughs) yeah i i had the same exact thought that was definitely made with the kids in mind uh yeah you know i want to make a quick point up top before we get into the full spoiler discussion which obviously we just threw a spoiler out there Uh, you should know by now oh if you're if you're new here (laughs) if you're new here these are weekly spoiler discussions on the bad batch every single week but i just want to say obviously this show i think has taken a much darker turn this week and has sort of cemented that that is what it's going to be obviously we thought the show would be a little grittier given it is the bad batch But I think also we should recognize that there is a very, very large need for actual, actual kids shows. So like Star Wars Resistance, for instance, yes, that is, I would say that is more so a kids show than Clone Wars Season 7 or Bad Batch so far, just because it is less, I mean, obviously there are darker moments, but, you know, just to just throw that out there, I think diversifying the genre within Star Wars animation is super important. And while we have the Bad Batch, I also hope that in the future we can maybe simultaneously have some other animated projects going on that are for all age groups. But I think also all age groups can watch these. Like, if I'm an adult, I'm going to watch every single animated thing, no matter what it is, whether it's Forces of Destiny, Galaxy of Adventures, mm-hmm. Resistance, Clone Wars, Bad Batch. But there, <laughs> there are some limitations for younger kids of what they can and can't watch, so... Uh, this might not be an episode you would want to show a, a child.
1: <laughs> Reading the subtext here, what Brad is saying, what was going through his head was, I need to work Resistance into this. Need to be able to talk about Resistance, my favorite Star Wars yeah. animated show. And then what you're saying, what you're, what the subtext is saying, not your, brain, not your brain monologue, but your subtext is, give Resistance a third season, give I the agree. kids resistance, give me Resistance, give Friends of the Force resistance. We want more Resistance. Um, but no, I, I ultimately... While I, while I joke, I also totally agree with you, because this stuff gets really dark, especially when we continue going back over Order 66, which I dark.
0: Love it. I'll take the pain all day, every day.
1: I mean, yes, dark pain. Like, very adult consequences happening here. And obviously, like, I got into Star Wars as a kid around the time of the prequels, so Order 66 is not new to me, and I in- enjoyed it first, enjoying so I'm saying that I enjoy it is weird, but enjoyed it first as a child, like watching Revenge of the Sith. But at the same time, yeah, this has a very kind of serious emotional tone, which I appreciate as a viewer, but isn't for six-year-olds, seven-year-olds necessarily. So I, that's where I think a show like Resistance or something that is geared towards a younger audience, even just broadly, comes into play and comes into play really successfully. So I... More of more of that too, yeah. because I think it's all valuable and I think that it all yeah. has something to say, but also the littles should have something accessible to them <laughs> as well. And <laughs> this isn't quite like emotionally accessible.
0: Yeah, and this is not to say the bad batch shouldn't be dark. I, I like when Star Wars picks at these be, sort of you know? really messy topics. I mean, we are in an era of the galaxy that has just seen a dictator completely take over. And there are some really interesting philosophical questions that are happening in terms of w- when do we obey orders? We're getting to some really deep stuff with the Bad Batch and the fact that they send in a new platoon of, cl- of a, a, a conscripted soldiers to take care of the job that the Bad Batch couldn't, and they still refuse to do it, kind of shows where does that line get, get blurred? Like, where, where does the Empire really go south to, maybe in the future, not make that hesitancy and just go ahead with that choice right away, you know? And, and we're, I think we're starting to see where does the obedience start and end? And mm-hmm. what are those soldiers going to look like in a new empire? And what is the empire's vision? And we're going to get into all of that just shortly here. Well, for everybody listening to this episode, we decided to talk about it in two parts. So so in the first part, we're going to talk about the Camino storyline, which I think is mostly the A plot of this episode. I think that is really what stood out the most. And then the moon plot line will be sort of second. Has a lot of great moments, but I don't think it necessarily takes the cake on this one. I think the Camino stuff was definitely the most enticing, thought-provoking stuff, and really subverted my expectations in a way that I just didn't expect the show to take this quick of a dark turn. So Sarah, let's start with with Camino. Talk about where we're at, what the sort of fundamental question is in this episode around clones and conscription. And we get Admiral Rampart, which we talked about last week. We were mm-hmm. thinking he shows up again based on the Black Series leak. And lo and behold, here he is. He is voiced by Nosheer Dalal, who uh, just actually went to Twitter a couple days ago to announce that that was him. So it's exciting to get a new Star Wars actor, too, in the, in the mix.
1: Yeah, from the first moment he walked up, uh, my immediate thought was, hello, hi, yeah, okay, I have reason to fear, I have reason <laughs> to be afraid, and it's you right now. <laughs> the first thing that we get when he walks in is the f- Tarkin essentially saying, you know, great job at leading the Chain Clode implementation. And I was like, oh, this is the kind of player he is in the galaxy. Oh, so that happened like that. You know, Tarkin is getting rid of the clones like that or, or wanting to get rid of the clones like that. And then Rampart comes in and is assisting on this, is really bringing in the idea of the conscript and the value of the conscript over that of the clone. And I, <laughs> horrifying, my friends.
0: I I'm having so much trouble just wrapping my head around how quickly things are escalating. I just keep thinking every bad batch episode of the Ron Burgundy. Well, that escalated quickly. That's all I can think about. I'm just so shocked, but also not shocked at the same time. You know, you think of George saying the prequels are about how governments and democracies are given away, mm. and like this is just so on display here. It's truly a democracy that has been given away. Like, all the people that it's been given away to are people that have been waiting to implement these sort of policies, to implement chain codes, and to implement a new conscripted army over a clone, you know? And it's just wild to think about. These people have been lingering in the shadows. Like, Tarkin has been lingering in the shadows. We've seen him in the Clone Wars, how he has a distaste for clones. So he's just been waiting for the right moment. You know, Rampart's been waiting for the right moment you got to think rampart is probably that one extremist guy who during the entire clone war was just talking about chain codes and people are like that is nonsense <laughs> that is taking away people's freedom and not giving them privacy and slow behold now he's able to just do it with unquestioning loyalty from tarkin and the likes of him it's just great it's just mind-boggling is that hard for you to think about it's just it's tough
1: Yes and no, right? Everything happens very slowly until it doesn't, yeah, right. So you think about the Nazi rise to power when the party was first kind of introduced to only won a handful of seats in the German government, just a handful of seats. But it was ten years later when the Nazi party took power and like Hitler like actually came into power and so. Everything happens slowly until it doesn't, and then you you get
0: the yeah. Holocaust,
1: you know. And I, I you know, real world and Star Wars—they align up in some ways; they totally don't in other ways. But the point I'm trying to illustrate here is that we see in the prequels it kind of happening slowly. We see Palpatine's machinations. We see the way that he's manipulating events to cause trouble. But this is happening over a decade, over more than a decade. You see baby Anakin to teenage man Anakin. And he was manipulating things when he was baby Anakin. And then suddenly everything switched and it's going really, really fast now. And so I think when you put it into a sort of real life lens, it becomes less wild to think this way. But in a world where we're so used to incrementalism, Broadly, in our, in our lives and in social change, in governments, right? That it, it seems so far fetched. But the more I think about it within historical context, the more I'm like, oh, yeah, actually. But this stuff does seem to be happening like within days. But I think it's smart on their behalf, obviously not right, obviously really terrible, to f- for the first thing that they do be ground ships. And say no more freedom of movement, because once you um, stop people's ability to move, you really stop their ability to communicate and their ability to interact within within their broader community. So, I think that's a clear first step, and it's clear that they took that step in episode two. Immediately implementing change codes afterwards. Now we're we're getting towards this conscription model or working towards what a conscription model could look like, and testing the waters to see how far can we push them to get them to bend but absolutely not break. And with somebody like Crosshair at the helm of this new squad, he will work to bend them by being unwavering in his loyalty and he will scare the others into submission and I'm, it works.
0: Yeah. And I, I think to the Siege of Mandalore when Anakin brings Ahsoka into the hangar and all of the clones have their their helmets painted orange in honor of Ahsoka, right? Mm. And Anakin tells Ahsoka, the clones value loyalty above all else. So, again, it begs the question, why would Tarkin want to get rid of an army that is probably the most loyal you're ever going to get? Unquestioning. Like, they are conditioned, they have an inhibitor chip that is supposed to alter their behavior entirely. And then you try to bring in people who are maybe going to be swayed by their own moral compass. So yeah, it's just horrifying to think that the empire is going to take the average everyday citizen, the average person who enlisted in the military during the republic days and interpose that unquestioning loyalty from the clones onto ordinary citizens. And that's what you get with the empire. You get those stormtroopers. You get you get the soren kizes. You get the Admiral Ray Sloan's, you get the General Huxes of the mm-hmm. future, right? So you get all of those people who weren't born this way with a chip, but these are the values that are in their DNA. This is who they are. You know, so it's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy to me.
1: Yeah, it, it's, it feels like an illogical transition because of the ease of creating a clone that literally is programmed to behave a certain way. But then we get to what the Kaminoans are saying at the end of this episode. Quote, the original genetic material f- from Django Fett be- continues to degrade. And it looks like they want to try a new experiment with one of the enhanced clones. My question is, you know, is that crosshair or does that mean that they need another one? I don't know. We can talk about it. But it really feels like this is an illogical transition. When at the surface, but when you think of, oh, no, the genetic material continues to degrade, that means we're having more trouble producing these clones. Second of all, if I produce clones, as we talked about in the last episode, and create this whole new society, I'm not doing anything to keep my society in line. And by creating conscripts and by instilling the fear of God into them, you can kind of make them do what you need them to do. And that's what Crosshair does at the end of the episode. And that is how ultimately the reason why perhaps Eureka Quell stays in the Empire. It's easy. And there's the fear of God when she leaves or if she leaves, right? There's, you sign up to be in this flight academy and then you're stuck. You get indoctrinated. Or if you're still wanting to feel differently or defect in your heart, the fear of God is instilled in you that if you leave, we will kill you. You cannot leave. We will not let you leave. So there's no there's no way out once this cycle of producing loyal soldiers that are conscripts starts. And I think that's what Rampart sees. Is like, hey, I think it would be rather easy for us in our success thus far to be able to have control over our people through conscription.
0: And even having the clones work alongside. Those conscripted soldiers. I mean, they they phrase it as the clones will train this new set of people that will join our army, and it is wild to think about these four that are brought by Rampart to Tarkin to show him. Here is our first class, our first elite squad of soldiers. This is Class Zero, right? This is the this is yeah where it all really begins. I think this is where the stormtroopers begin is with these four people. So when you have Somebody like Crosshair, who says, good sol- soldiers follow orders. It doesn't matter what is right or wrong. Crosshair says, if your orders are to kill these civilians, you kill them because that's what we have to comply by. And mm-hmm. that's the standard that's being set with that first batch of, of stormtroopers. It's like, this is what you are enlisting for. This is what you're going to run up against, and you do not question with the Empire. Because the Empire is about law and order, and that's, that's what they do. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's quite terrifying. And even in the beginning, too, I think you, the idea of complying with orders, we see that with AZ. Yeah. AZ's completely changed in the beginning of the episode. He's lost his spark. He's lost his personality. Crosshair tells him to go away, and AZ says, I'm compelled to comply with your request. Have we ever heard AZ speak like that ever? Mm, no. No. Not really. He's always been uppity. He wants to help. He wants to do things. Even if you don't want him to because he knows what he can help with and he just goes away so this is what the empire looks like it is about complying it is about not questioning what's around you and it's that one of the darkest scenes i've seen in star wars animation and in star wars in general i mean that the the scene where crosshair orders them to execute those civilians probably the darkest thing i've seen since the younglings i would say i mean i think those two things really go. Side by side for me, and maybe even thinking about the Jack the Jakku villagers and Mm, the Force Awakens. mm -hmm. You know, that's also another another heart wrenching scene of, oh wow, that's what the First Order does. Okay, that's who they
1: are. You know, and we see that here. Yeah, and I think it's especially heart wrenching when we are getting it on that one on one level because it's one thing to say, oh, they they're destroying a whole planet, they're destroying a whole system. It's another thing to see one person you know in our fiction take the life of another especially that of a innocent civilian because we witness a lot of death a lot of war in those star wars but it is different it is distinctly different when it happens on a one-to-one level and in a setting where one is clearly has the power to not you know kill somebody else and they they choose to do it anyway
0: yeah that very conscious choice is is when it really sticks out yeah but i want to ask you what the Kaminoans. so i would imagine that's what omega was being used for i feel like she was supposed to be the new genetic material for this next phase of clones this you know quote-unquote superior clone mm-hmm. so but they only say that they need one clone to come back to Camino because they're Camino property as it's referred to by by lama Sue. They say that their survival depends on it, so it seems to me that they've always known the genetic material would degrade. They couldn't keep around Django's DNA forever, and their entire livelihood, their wealth as a society, their status depends on this contract. Is that sort of the gist that you get, is like, if, if they don't have this contract, they're basically a nothing society anymore, and... They were always in it for the long haul. They were going to be in it with, with Palpatine and with whatever this new regimen was going to be. They were getting ready with Omega to create this new soldier, this new breed of soldier. But when they find out that they don't want to go with clones anymore, that's when everything changes. And they go, oh, crap, we didn't consider this possibility. We always thought we would be a part of this. Because we see in the Clone Wars that they help with Order 66. They knew about the chips. They knew about the Order. They knew all of that. And now it's kind of the t- the tables are really flipping on them, unexpectedly, and I think that's putting them in a little bit of a pickle. And it's interesting to watch Nala Se and Lamasu sort of plot together.
1: Yeah, it's I mean it's really interesting because they're already off the map. You know, they're not in the Jedi Archives, which means they don't exist. True. You know? So oh, they're wow, already yeah. isolated. They are not integrated into galactic society, but. When you've had a contract for the past, I don't know, two decades or so of your existence and your whole business is based off of this one contract, I would imagine they were, you know, Sifo-Dyas was like, clear all your clone production. I need you to make war clones, soldier clones. And they were probably like, yeah, you're going to pay us? Cool. Let me clear our entire production line and let's make (laughs) war clones so hey siri
0: clear my schedule for the next 20 years
1: but 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 really though (laughs) they probably said you know this is a contract with a republic this is a contract with the jedi and it's going to have incredibly high production numbers it's going to keep our business uh, our society afloat and it's going to keep us you know in the clear here and for that immediately to be pulled for that rug to be pulled out from under them i think they're scrambling a little bit and while they had a plan after Django maybe including Omega as the the genetic per- person zero, maybe um, playing with genetic material and that's how you get Omega. I don't really know. We don't really know for sure yet. But whatever it may be, their plan has been <laughs> uprooted by Order 66 and by the rest of the Bad Batch not really being there, including Omega. I think... They have to rethink again what what their plan is, and again, that makes me wonder if it's going to be crosshair that they are dealing with, or another one of them, because for crosshair, that would seem like a logical solution if they can work with crosshair's DNA because clearly his inhibitor chip um, is more active and it's very
0: active. I
1: mean, well <laughs> let's let's be really clear. He already had a ten- he already had a tendency.: Yeah. I I feel like that was in his the kind of person he was. He was the quiet one. He was the one that was independent from the other ones and could do the and, and go on the mission on his own. He doesn't need the team right next to him in order to complete the mission, to complete the mission objectives. So I think he's already programmed to be like okay, this is my mission. I'm driven to do that because I'm alone in this situation. But even after Order 66 hits, he's still that same person, but just enhanced in, in that way. So I don't know. It, it makes sense to go with him because he still has that unwavering loyalty and, and cruelty. And that's kind of what the Empire is looking for. But is that even feasible? Or when the Kaminoans say that, do they really just mean we need Omega back, period? And I assume mm-hmm. we'll find that out.
0: It seems like they'll take anybody at this point and that shows the desperation. But I think ideally they would like Omega, which begs the question is like, what is Omega's quote unquote defect, right? Because everybody's got their quote unquote defect. And mm-hmm. we, we say that in the sense that it's what makes them different, right? Hunter's got his his sense of um, tracking, which, you know, Omega jokes about, can I track like you? And and she tries mm-hmm. to do that at the end of the episode, which I thought was really wholesome, but I I think she could be somewhat force sensitive. I, I'm not quite sure yet. But it goes back to when she has that original conversation with Crosshair, when she says, I know what you're about to do, and you don't have to, but just know it's not your fault, right? So it seems like she's having some Ouch. sort of premonition, some sort of vision. And I also noticed the sort of look on her face of knowing when she is looking for one of the capacitors on the ship and she just happens to knock over Crosshair's old stuff and she's like is this it? And it goes back to the bad batch and they're all kind of sad and then it goes back to Omega and she she kind of looks like she has a knowing look on her face. Mm. As if she knew that like this is the the thing that I have to knock over to then get them all to sort of question and remember Crosshair and maybe plant the idea that it's not his fault and that this wasn't his doing. Do you sense that maybe with her? Is that maybe sort of that superior clone? Because how more superior can you get than a normal clone? I, I feel like you'd have to introduce some sort of premonition sense. Mm. I don't know.
1: I think that's a really good thought. Uh, I don't know if I see quite what you saw in that in, in that scene, in that episode.
0: I might be reading into it. It might be a little bit of confirmation I, bias, too.
1: But I think that that's fair for you to read into it in that way, because. Who knows? Because she does have this extra layer of, like, empathy and heart that the regular clones don't necessarily have off the bat. Yeah. I didn't read the knocking over of Crosshair's kit to be intentional. What stuck out to me in that scene was the loyalty that they still showed to Crosshair. Mm -hmm. Clearly, they were all hurt by his actions. But I think it's Hunter who says, you know, we don't leave each other behind. Yeah. I think there's still a desire to want Crosshair to return and to be loyal to Crosshair and the person that they knew, even if he's not on their side right now. So that's what stuck out to me in that scene. You you clearly focused on Omega. I kind of focused on the reaction of the Bad Batch.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I'm was i I'm focused on more, I guess, more in line with the thinking of what is, what is Omega's skill? Like, what's her thing? I, I think uh-huh. there's some sort of... And maybe it's not sensing the future, but yeah, maybe she's just strictly an empath. Maybe that's her ability—is she she can almost sense things that no one else can, to the point of she knows how people will behave without actually seeing it. Right? I know what you're about mm-hmm. to do because I can sense it. I can. I I know wh- who you are at your heart and what you're thinking, so I, I know the actions that will that will proceed from here. And you see at the end of the episode, Crosshair and his in his room with all of the 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 three others and he sits there and he kind of puts his head in his hands and this is the room that he used to share with all of his other bad batch members and ouch do you feel like there is some sort of inkling within him still that senses loss with the bad batch not being there do you think he feels anything do you think his inhibitor chip is just so active that it's almost like he can't even recognize himself anymore but it, it, to me, it felt like such a quiet, soft moment that I think he was thinking a little bit to himself, maybe just for a split second, who am I and what have I done? And then it's back to normal Crosshair of, you know, obviously the, the voice for crosshairs, perfect, you know, good soldiers follow orders. Like, it's just so, yeah, yeah. so chilling and so good. Like, like, this is why he's one of my favorite characters. And I think he's perfect to play this sort of Bad Batch turn villain character.
1: Yeah. Okay. So I just was playing this scene again because I think I missed this thread. And what's really interesting is that the other recruits get into bunks that have been marked up by their mm-hmm. previous inhabit or ha- inhabitants. So hunters got the, you know, ninety nine. I think that that's going to be hunters. And then I think it's text. It has a bunch of like diagrams and stuff. And so they've both personalized their spaces now that they don't live in anymore, but. They made them their own, and Crosshair sits down in his bunk, which is presumably his bunk from before, and there's nothing on the walls.
0: And he walks right past Wrecker's scratches on the wall, too, where he etched etched all their successful missions, and looks at it visibly. He looks at it, stops, and continues.
1: It makes me feel like he's been on the outside this whole time, and while they have loyalty to him, and he perhaps has some loyalty to him, he does feel isolated from them in Mm -hmm. more than one way. And I think that's really interesting. And I think that also demonstrates that he's clearly the right choice for the Empire to recruit and keep because he's the most inclined to the normalcy of it all. And I definitely think he still feels that sense of loyalty or pain or sadness in being back in the space without his, his brothers. But I think more of him says, oh, this is the job that needs to get done and maybe i'm on the wrong path but yeah why would I, why would i be i'm following orders why would i be led on the wrong path
0: yeah he's more uh instead of instead of he's more machine than man he's like more chip than clone
1: yeah you exactly know? exactly
0: listen i'm how ready are you to when i would presumably think if they're going to meet up with with rex rex is going to teach them about the chip how he had his removed teach him about fives and the end game, I would imagine, is them removing Crosshair's chip through medical procedure. How ready are you for that? To see Crosshair come back on their side, and he's he's so good, he's so good, he's such a good sniper. I just want to see him take down some some Empire people, be back on their side. I want that reunion. I don't know if we'll get it in season one or how many episodes of the Bad Batch we're getting or seasons. But are you just ready for that? I, I already want it. I, I already miss the gang back together, you know?
1: I think that's really interesting that you present this idea as a, an endgame. Because I hadn't thought about it because I'm dumb. But Oh, <laughs> uh, stop. <laughs> but Well, I, you put the pieces together a bit better than I do. But um, I think you make a great point. And I think that that seems like a very plausible course of action. And not a bad one. I think that's a really good potential course of action because we know that Rex was talking to Cut about the chips just the other day <laughs> from the episode number two. So it would make sense that the reason why they're ultimately going to visit with Rex is because of these chips. And how can we how can we save our brother? How can we save him from himself and the Empire and the Kaminoans? So I love that idea and ouch, yeah. I'm, I'm ready for it, but I'm going to cry. <laughs> so like, am I ready for it? No.
0: Think of the guy from the Gungan from Phantom Menace. Ouch time. It's like every time I turn on the, ba- the bad batch.
1: Every time I turn on the bad batch, every time I open up a High Republic book, like <laughs> ouch time. Star
0: Wars is pain.
1: Star Wars is pain. And I like hate that I know that I'm getting myself into pain. Yeah. Like I hate that I know it. I wish there were another option, but there's just not. There's just not. Star Wars is pain. As the, as the one Talker's pin back like, button says, Star Wars is tragedy. <laughs> and I hate that they made a button out of it. Even though, But I, I, I say that jokingly. I love that they made a button out of that. But like, ouch. Yeah.
0: Ouch. And I, I, I do want to note the Kinder Brothers, they tweeted from their, their Twitter. And they said, been working on the finale of the Bad Batch. Quick question. Is it normal to be working on a cue so hard you start crying? I don't know what I'm that afraid. means. I'm already hurting. I'm so
1: afraid. Already hurting. I'm, walking, I'm moving back from my microphone so I can yell about this because I'm so scared. Ah.
0: <laughs> Had, to scream. Honestly, Had to scream it out.
1: Honestly horrifying.
0: I don't know what it means. I, uh, you know, I have this I better get my horrible fear that... The entire Bad Batch is just going to get killed by Darth Vader at some point. I It's it's the worst. It's Of all the possibilities to happen in the Bad Batch, if we get a tragic ending, like a Rogue One-esque ending where Vader just does that, I would be heartbroken. I'd be so upset. I would be so <laughs> upset. I don't think that's going to happen. I just think my mind sometimes jumps to the worst possible conclusions when I see a tweet like that. Yeah. But I think this is a great transition to the moon plot of this episode, and it starts out with tech talking about how he wants to find a way to test the functionality of their inhibitor chips. And he's building some device that will help to do that. So obviously this whole inhibitor chip thing is, is going to be a huge part of the season. And with, with crosshairs being very, very active, that's why I'm thinking plausibly it's going to lead to that outcome, or we're going to remove the chip from crosshair at some point. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's like when that happens, What will be the threat? And maybe by that point, the new conscripted soldiers are the threat because they've learned from the most threatening of all, Crosshair. Mm -hmm. And Crosshair is going to kind of come out of that trance and be like, what have I done? Like, I've led to this. I've created the empire, basically. I've created what the next breed of soldiers looks like. But then you also have the element of the Kaminoans at that point who are trying to get back the Bad Batch. So there's a whole conundrum of messiness happening it's all twisted and tangled and i'm worried for everybody involved
1: <laughs> what if
0: no <laughs> don't hurt me <laughs> don't hurt
1: me please what if i mean you were okay so this was inspired by you saying essentially that so what if they get crosshair back i think an emotional arc then would be like how does the bad batch emotionally accept crosshair back into their hearts and does crosshair forgive himself i mean there's a lot to, to talk about with that that arc. But then, do the elite conscripted soldiers become the villain? The, the big bad's here. And then I thought to myself, what if Iden is in this show? Ooh. Would, that, would she be too young? Would it, would it, would it, would it, be, would it be Garrick Versio? I, I just, now I'm thinking of the years and I, I don't really know. Oh, man. No, it oh, would be, too, she would be too young. She would be too young. But like, what if we get Garrick Versio? And some of that... What if we get callous? You mean hot callous? Yeah. Oh. Ooh,
0: I think we could get callous actually. I think that is very plausible. But, like... I mean, they've like, talked about cameos heck? happening. I, mean, I would not be surprised.
1: Yeah. But, but it's interesting. You think about, like, Inferno Squad, and they're still hunting Saw in the book Inferno Squad, where they right. know, infiltrate the Partisans. Oh. So, clearly, this this arc of, like... Following Saw, which we are getting in the past episode, this episode, or I guess in episode one and in this episode, continues all the way to the end of Rogue One. And Garrick Versio is the one that essentially forms Inferno Squad and says, like, let's hunt out the Partisans. Right. Let's hunt out Sagarera. So I wonder if that's a personal mission of his prior to that point. I wonder if Rampart and Versio, Garrick Versio, interacted. Yeah, or Versio and Tarkin, in, in in these sort of settings where they're focused on the partisans, that's how it all comes together here. I just realized Ida Versio is much; she's a literal baby at this point, but like, or not even born at this point, but. Garrett Versio is certainly in the right, area, right age range, and I know I've gone on a complete tangent, but I feel like if you get Crosshair back, you can have one whole emotional arc here, but you could also bring in these other characters that we already know a little bit about. Or
0: you know who else we could see?
1: I think, actually... Uh-oh. Director to Krennic.
0: Yeah, I would love to see. Get, some, get me some Krennic in there. Because I think we're already starting to see the sort of Rebels, Bad Batch crossover like we've already seen kanan yeah
1: yeah i
0: honestly would not be surprised if dave filoni sees this show as a prequel to rebels in some way
1: as much as it is a sequel to clone wars yeah yeah like the the bridge the bridge
0: i think i think yeah i think this series could be the bridge if we go for three to four seasons you could cover a lot of ground you could cover a lot of characters that if you were to watch clone wars bad batch rebels right in a row you are getting like the ultimate animated star wars experience of just like mm. this multiple year story and we could even see galen urso i don't know there's so many possibilities like are we going to see the death star i don't know oh there my god is so galen much
1: so if galen urso comes into play i will lose i will flip a table i will lose my shit are you ki- like are you are you kidding me well the also, question is, Patrick- is
0: are we going to see coruscant that's the big question are we going to see that we
1: need to we need to, but my question for the day, of for you, is what is Project Warmantle? Is Project Warmantle the conscripted soldiers, or is it something else?
0: Wait, when was Project Warmantle mentioned? Can you remind me?
1: Yeah, Project Warmantle was mentioned um, between Tarkin and Rampart. What? It, okay, so they say that Crosshair is the perfect specimen, and then... Then Tarkin says to Rampart, what is the status of Project Warmantle? Oh, okay. And he says, on schedule, sir. Our top recruits are here to begin their new training under their new commander. So I wonder if Warmantle is the conscription of regular people or if it is something more Mm. than that. But obviously, you know, Project Warmantle, Project Stardust, these names all theoretically come from that scara that scarab vault and they all are big to do's in the empire. So it would not be surprising to me if they were connected to one another in various yeah, ways.
0: Or even if there's a meeting of the minds where everybody who's in charge of these different projects, you got the the leading member of uh, War Mental, which is uh presumably Rampart. And then you got Tarkin, Mm -hmm. and then you got maybe the the leader of Project Stardust, which at this point would be Galen or so, or Krennic. So there is some interesting overlap. I'm just curious to explore what we... I'm curious to see what we explore outside of the Bat-Batch and how they kind of feed into everything. Because obviously you don't want to go too big where it detracts from the story. So I would just be interested to see how these all feed into one another. But it is interesting.
1: I'm having a great time talking about... Like the state of the galaxy, yeah, like that is the most interesting thing for me. I love the emotions in the Bad Batch and like among Hunter and Omega, and we'll talk about that in literally two seconds. But thinking about h- how quickly and and just how much the world is changing, and how it all feeds into each other, and like connecting those dots is actually really exciting for me. And here I am thinking that I didn't need any more connecting material. I I don't need it. I don't need it. And I mean I don't. But I'm enjoying the hell out of it. Yeah. And I'm a little mad at myself for that. (laughs) Maybe. But I'm having a great time.
0: Yeah. Well, speaking of a great time, we're going to move on to the more wholesome aspects of this episode, which was the moon sequence. Having Wrecker. Wrecker, Omega. Omega. All of the Bad Batch are just so great. I just think that this crew is so dandy. I don't know where to start. Do we want to start with Wrecker? Just like what he yeah, did. Yeah, we're
1: going to start with Wrecker. Are you kidding me?
0: Unbelievable. The fact that he makes a little room for Omega on the ship and has even, it's even lit. It's very colorful. I mean, that's the most color we've seen on the ship. The, co- the ship is very black and drab. This was very lit up, lively. It just, ha- it evoked that sense of, of new and change. And all tied to Omega, who's like, I have never had a room before. I'm just like, oh my god. And Lula was sitting on the pillow inside the room, and he even built her curtains? There was curtains in there. Oh my gosh. I I actually teared up. I teared up every episode so far this season with Omega.
1: There were curtains, and there were string lights. I mean, Wrecker. Wrecker.
0: Wait, we've been talking about the Bad Batch hobbies. Is is Wrecker's homemaking? (gasps) Ugh.
1: love that for him listen disney plus
0: I- don't tempt me with extreme makeover wrecker edition <laughs> i would take that as a as a shut like you know how Fork, forky asks a question yes. Do like wrecker decorates a room as a series like a you know three minute episodes wrecker just oh decorates God. a new place on a new planet every week shut
1: up <laughs> okay I want to I talk about, like, Wrecker's arc in this episode, though, because yeah. we start in the very beginning with Wrecker coming down from, I think, that same spot, and Omega being on the floor, kind of just curled up next to the gonk droid gonky, and, and she's like, oh, it's okay. Like, I, you know, haven't really had a space. Like, I'm, I'm it's fine. It's fine. I'm here. I'm one part of the team, whatever. And then they're, you know, crash landing. They're having an issue on the ship, and Wrecker goes, we're going to die. We're going to die. He looks at Omega. We're going to be fine. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you chaos baby. I love you so much. I, he's, he grew on me so much in this episode. yeah. And, and, then, and then about Crosshair, Wrecker said, look, I'll say it. I kind of miss him. He has some of the most pure energy. And I think he has such a big heart. Like the himbo energy is so good when it comes to Wrecker. And it was so clear in this episode, the himbo energy that is just coursing through his veins. <laughs> and I loved his, I, I, but like really though, like I loved his compassion because at the yeah. end, at the end, he comes around and he really shows a lot of generosity and a lot of kindness and a lot of warmth to to make this space just for Omega, to make it comfortable for Omega, to make it cute for Omega, to have her to give her or let her use y- Lula the the Tuka doll to make her feel more welcome and to give her a new experience it was just like the sweetest freaking thing for me. It was wonder, like it was truly wonderful.
0: And the thing with him too is he's is a great listener because tying the whole episode together, when you when you speak of Wrecker's arc, I think in the beginning Omega offers Wrecker food, and Hunter says some comment like, "Really, you're going to take her food, Wrecker? She doesn't even have a room." You know, like, let, let her have what she can have, you know? She, she, she already doesn't have enough as it is. And so, that idea planted in Wrecker's mind, he listened. He thought of that. And he going, mm-hmm. oh yeah, she, she doesn't have a room. She doesn't really have a space that's her own on the ship. She's literally sitting on the floor up against a gong droid. That's her space. That's kind of depressing. You know, we, we brought this kid with us. She's living this life along with us. and." kind of ne- like neglection of a sort so the fact that he used that time that he stood he stood on the ship stayed on the ship to make that room is just so wholesome and i loved it it was honestly i love that each episode is kind of having this wake-up call moment for omega that teaches her there is more to life than the walls of Camino, than the mm-hmm. the rain and the clouds and the clones and the Kaminoans themselves. And being a medical assistant, if that's what she actually was. So there's just more to life. And it's the small things. You know, it's the dirt. It's the the ball. It's, it's the room. It's the Lula doll. It's sitting up against a, a gonk droid. Even, you know, his name is Gonky. I love that. So it's just the small things in life that I think we as a viewer are seeing through Omega's eyes. And I think, too, it's a good... It's a good check for me to, to remember that as well, because I think sometimes in a year like COVID, you look at a lot of bigger picture things that just aren't happening in your life anymore, and you go, well, what are the small things that we can focus on to get by? Whether it is, you know, you mm-hmm. just redecorated your room recently. You painted it. Was that a good feeling when you had a new room, like even if it was just a small change?
1: Yes. Answer, yes. I literally was talking to my dad like three days ago, and I was like, dad, you know what? I'm feeling really good in this space it yeah it's really me so i literally yes great great example <laughs>
0: yeah i mean it's uh, redecorating a room by the way for those of you listening if you haven't tried it during this year and you are trying to find things to bring you some joy
1: literally just like move
0: Do it. move like one aspect of your room around like switch it up just like one aspect you don't have to paint you don't have to get new furniture just like move a desk to a different corner of your room if you have one or like move or like over a, uh move, a move a over poster yeah just like well, literally helps. anything, you know, like switch it up. It helps a lot. Just try it out. And it's, it's a wonderful thing. And Omega has some really great moments in this episode. Obviously, mm. she's the one that finds the, the capacitor in the cave when uh, Hunter gets knocked out. And she puts the mask back on him. I love how she was playing with the mask in the beginning, learning how it works. And then we see her later on. She puts it so quickly on Hunter because she already understands... I think she's very inquisitive and she wants to understand how things operate. Oh, 100%. You know, and I think that speaks to her abilities, like, you know, as an empath and as somebody who's probably highly intelligent of sorts. Uh, I got to wonder, too, maybe she has all of the elements of the yeah. Bad Batch, right? She's got tech's uh, inquisitiveness. She's got Hunter's ability to find the capacitor. She's got Wrecker's almost kindred spirit. and uh, She's a good shot. Uh, yeah, she's a good shot, like Crosshair. And she's got that kind of uh sarcasticness of echo you know i think she already mm. has some of those some qualities of each of them and definitely showed with her taking over that mission with hunter and saving his life and also saving the rest of the bad batch's crew bad batch crew
1: yeah i i uh i really thought the other relationship that shined here was the hunter and omega relationship which i think will continue to be the core relationship throughout this season and The moment when Omega says to Hunter, you shouldn't be angry at him, he can't help it, is is just so compassionate and, and so sweet. And then Omega feels so committed once she has to go at it alone. But also, she puts the mask over the mouth and nose. Girl knows good mask. Um, (laughs) Etiquette. Shout out. We love a girl who who knows how to properly fit a mask. Love Um, it. Love to see (laughs) it. I'm sorry. I just just had to. I just had to. No, Um, it's true. She really sees herself in him and like wants to emulate Hunter. And so she thinks that if, you know, she can complete this mission, she will not only help the entire bad batch, but maybe gain some favor in the eyes of Hunter and see that she's legitimate and can can do these things. And I think that her drive to continue on this mission, even when Hunter, who knows more, who was more prepared for this, uh, is is essentially knocked out, is unable to continue. Is is really precious and and admirable, and I loved that. I loved that. Yeah. Also, I have to say, you and I both wished it were ever actual. Unfortunately, it was only. Oh my gosh. An orital moon dragon. It's uh, it's fine. It's fine. But like, where are the veractals? Okay, now say you're serious. Listen,
0: comment. I was all I could focus on. I was like, wait, I need a better look at it. Is it a veractal? Like, could
1: I was, it wait, be? Wait, oh, could it be? There's claw marks. Boga? I was
0: I was waiting for the. Uh, I was like waiting for it.
1: You should keep the veractal impression, in. it was good. And uh, 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 we'll keep it in there for the, yeah, the good listeners
0: should. who've made it 56 I, minutes into this episode.
1: I mean, That's your reward for listening. deserve it. <laughs> I've done it other times and we've cut it out, but this time we're keeping it in. Keeping it in. For the people. For
0: the people.
1: <laughs> anyway, anyway, say your serious comment about Hunter and Omega.
0: I love that we ended the the show on a fade to black mm. and there was that wholesome music that kind of kicked in. It almost felt like a fairy tale ending sort of music and... I have to say the music actually sounds very similar to Resistance in the series. Even the triumphant credits music feels a lot like the credits music for Resistance. And it's got that sort of flair of it. I don't know if that's on purpose. I don't know if again, a lot of the creative team behind Resistance is on this show, so I don't know what that communication process looks like with Kevin Kiner and the Kiner brothers. And hey, kinda get this sort of tone with the music. The sort of upbeats heroic heroic theme that has a sense of togetherness and hope right and i i I get that i love that we don't just end on the sort of like dark minor key theme that's like oh bad dark you know i I love that we kind of keep that still that sense of adventure that's so quintessential to star wars especially animation
1: it's very adventurous very triumphant and i think does a good job at portraying the 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 hopeful tone of the show we're in this really dark time but this bad patch and their loyalty and love for one another even if they don't express it as love right is what's most important and it's gonna carry the show and omega i she is the key she is the center (laughs) um,
0: she's the key to all of this
1: She is the key to all of this. I love her. Um, And I really think she brings that hope because, I mean, I really initially thought the show was going to be like, man, man, down, down, upset man, Mm -hmm. manly man, war, pew, pew. And it's like, it's really just like, hey, guys, so we're just like a big family and um, (laughs) we just kind of want to get our brother back and... (sighs) Things are kind of bad right now, but, like, will you please be my friend? And can we, can we work together for the betterment of not only ourselves, but everybody? Like, I think that'd be kind of nice. And I love that. Like, I love that.
0: Well, we talked about that right up front on the show. I mean, I thought the same thing. And I think you thought the same thing about The Mandalorian when you saw the preview at Celebration. And then we just got, oh, you know, we, we got Din and going, does this look Jedi to you? Are you on the seeing stone? Are you seeing anything? Like, he's just, like, radiates dad himbo energy. He's like,
1: I must get this baby back to its, back to its rightful <laughs> person. Like, this is, a, this is a, a literal baby. Yeah,
0: yeah. So I, I just love that Star Wars is doing it. And it's just, I, I hope we continue this. I also hope we continue it with mothers at some point as well. Oh, my God. Because we, we've please. had a lot of father-daughter, father-son relationships in Star Wars. I would love to see this sort of trope happen with uh, a mother figure. You know, mm-hmm. uh maybe like a uh like
1: a Vanessa Doza prequel.
0: Yeah. Sub- <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Give me the Vanessa Doza <laughs>
0: book prequel comic. I just want the Doza comic. Uh. There's just some ripe <sighs> potential with the Dozas, let me tell you. Let uh-huh. me tell you. Yeah. Anyways. Well, Sarah, unless you have anything else to add, I think that uh, about wraps up this this recap of the Bad Batch. I again, I thought it was a a great episode. I think it, it advanced the relationship of omega and hunter to another degree and also introduced a, a new darker element of, of crosshair and conscripted soldiers and is continuing to build out what the empire's vision is and what that looks like because again mm-hmm. we've talked a lot about how we wanted the show to answer those questions you know how do we go from clone to stormtrooper what does that transition look like and i would like to see if we get multiple seasons of this show once we get past the sort of rescue crosshair phase of things, what's the next phase look like? Does it get even bigger, even grander? Does the galactic stakes rise? And what will the show explore? And I think I am more hopeful for that sort of thing after this episode because of that focus. I just didn't think we were going to get this really strong plot on Kamino amidst what's going on with the Bad Batch crew. And it's really great to see them intermingle those two stories. As we've seen, with these showrunners before on Resistance, intermingling Kaz Mm. and Tam. So it's similar, and I love that. I love that so much.
1: Yeah, 100%.
0: 100%. So, Sarah, where can our listeners find you online so they can get all of your good Star Wars thoughts?
1: You can get all my good Star Wars thoughts when I say them on other places on this podcast the answer to your question is on twitter at seh221 <laughs> and on goodreads and letterboxd at the same username and then on instagram at sarah's puzzle pages
0: sarah i gotta ask you did you log the season premiere of the bad batch on letterboxd it's on there it's on there
1: <laughs> no i didn't okay. i didn't
0: all right I I, didn't. I, I
1: I should though because it's 75 whole minutes yeah
0: i was thinking about it i was just thinking about that's it
1: a, that's a movie yeah, yeah.
0: As for me, you can find me at Brad Whipple on Twitter, where I mostly talk about Paddington and Star Wars. You can also follow our podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Make sure wherever you're listening to subscribe to the podcast so you get all the latest episodes when they drop, because let me tell you, you're going to be in for a ride this next month and a half with all the new High Republic books coming out. We are so excited to talk about this next phase of the High Republic. We both have the arcs, and we are going to get reading here shortly. I am so stoked about it Sarah, it's going to be exciting. Also, if you have some extra time in your day, please leave a 5-star written review. It helps other people join the discussion, which is fantastic. We love new Star Wars friends in this space. Speaking of other ways to support the show, we also have a Patreon, so that's at patreon.com/friends of the force.
1: A major thanks to our patrons, Adam, Amy, Anna, Brian, Brian, Cheryl, Debra, Donnie, Elegy, Huang, Jesse, Knights of Ren, Levi, a new patron, Lucy, welcome, thank you, Lindsay, Marie Claire, Neil, Rachel, another new patron, Saber thank you so much, Sarah, Skytalkers, and T, we sincerely appreciate your support. Um, I understand financial support is not for everybody all of the time, and we are the most grateful for your support.
0: Coming up on Patreon, we are going to be discussing the Rots novelization later in May or first week of June. So we are getting through that book right now. And uh, let me tell you, Sarah, (laughs) I'm scared. My emotions. Oh boy. I'm excited to talk about it though. So it's going to be a a good time.
1: Don't spoil the ending for me. Uh, I don't know what happens. (laughs) (laughs) Let me plug my headphone ears.
0: (laughs) As we talk about the Bad Batch, which is in a post (laughs) rots world.
1: I don't even know what happens in Rots. This is a complete uh, surprise for never me. Never seen
0: it. Definitely not my comfort movie. But <laughs> for all of you out there listening, thank you once again. And until next time, may the force be with you always.
1: Bye.